Hello and welcome to The Natural Evolution, produced by Rebel Health Tribe, a radio show focused on providing you with inspiration, education, and tools for true healing and transformation. I'm Michael, and I'll be your guide on this adventure as together we explore the very nature of the healing journey. We are live right now with Dr. Titus Chu. Titus, man, thanks for doing this. Absolutely. Thanks for the invite. It's always a pleasure chatting with you. Yeah, this is fun. And this time um, we're not teaching anything. We're just talking. It's going to be a little more personal than normal, which is fun for me having these conversations. That's what I love about the podcast um, is, is really helping the audience really get to know the people that they've spent time learning from on a lot of our stuff. So and a lot of our audience already knows you because we've done a lot of things together. But if you don't, um, Dr. Titus Chu is a number one bestselling author award-winning international speaker and functional neurologist that helps high achievers go from surviving to thriving after concussion through online brain training programs, masterclasses, and immersive brain wellness retreats. He's the number one best-selling author of Brain Save, and Dr. Chu sees patients and private clients from all around the world, both online and in-person at his brain centers in California. You are now in Sacramento, Um, it's funny. I brought this up with Natasha. I think you guys moved away from Berkeley the week we moved to Berkeley Yeah, or like it was within a passing in the night. Yeah. It was quick enough that as soon as I got unpacked, you guys were the first people I messaged. It was like, Hey, do you want to have lunch or something? And you're like, yeah, but I live in Sacramento now. So that's what you do now. We're going to have a little bit more conversation about how that came about. And so the first question I'm asking anybody who's a, a doctor or health practitioner now did you want to be a doctor when you grew up? No, I actually, the first thing I wanted to be was an astronaut. <laughs> the second thing was a writer. And then through that process, like, as you know, through the car accident I was in and all the health problems I was dealing with, that's when I really discovered my passion for, for the brain and natural health. Um, but that being said, because I was able to put my story yeah you're a writer yeah exactly so a writer back. we just need to get you into space yeah i just gotta call elon <laughs> musk up and get up and <laughs> i heard they're, they're recruiting people for the mars mission now so maybe they need a brain yeah, training brain on mars. There. <laughs> they're gonna i'm sure that's gonna be a rocky road for those folks um so actually only one so far podcast guest actually grew up wanting to be a doctor and the rest kind of got into it due to necessity almost. And um, if not necessity, kind of a life experience that was drawing into um, pulling in that direction of I've been through this and now it's time for me to try to make something useful out of this and help other people. Yeah. And I've seen that as such a reoccurring theme in this industry as a whole, as I've gotten to know more and more practitioners that um, most professionals in this field uh, have walked the line that the people that they're helping are currently on. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's it's been a wild ride, man. <laughs> it's, it definitely has. And so we talked a little bit before we were on air. Um, you were you did an undergrad in biology, which has become useful um, mm-hmm. at this point. Maybe not right away, but it was after you decided you wanted to go into functional medicine, exactly. and the initial trainings probably weren't quite as confusing to you as they were to some other people, um, but you spent time after college in Japan. Mm-hmm. And that's where, that's where your, your healing journey cause kind of 
kind of happened. So um, can you share just a little bit about what that was like? I think you said you were teaching kids English in Japan. You were in your early, mid-20s. Uh-huh. What was that experience like living there and, and doing that? It was amazing. You know, it's I've always loved traveling. I've always loved different cultures and food. And But the interesting thing, I you know, I told you we were chatting about this. I hadn't actually set out to go to Japan. I was, after I finished up undergrad, I, like you said, I got a bachelor's in biology and I was good at like the scientific thought process, but I wasn't really driven by anything, like nothing lit my fire. So I didn't want to do research at that time. I didn't want to become a medical doctor. And so I decided to actually go move to Taiwan because I wanted to learn Chinese. And so I ended up going out there and I got a job, was teaching English out there. Two months into it, I was in a massive earthquake. <laughs> and it was, I'm from Chicago and it was like- Me we too, man, have, we don't yeah. have earthquakes. We don't have earthquakes. <laughs> we have snow, we have weather, we don't, the earth doesn't- Tornadoes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, no earthquakes. And so it's terrifying. Actually, you know, it was, I- pretty sure I had like PTSD from that earthquake. So to make a long story short, I had a friend out there and um, we actually ended up moving to Japan. I had a friend living in Japan at the time. So we moved out there. But the ironic thing is we didn't do much research, but after we moved out there, there's more seismic activity in Japan. I remember it was like, we, we got the job. I was out there at my friend's apartment and all of a sudden we're just hanging out like things are finally okay we got jobs we're good all of a sudden the whole building goes like this boom <laughs> like it shakes and then realize that yeah japan is actually more seismically active than taiwan and i was actually in four more earthquakes after that so it was a while and then back. you lived here in in california and then right? i moved out here yeah exactly so where's my wood, <laughs> wood. nothing bad so far, we had one last night. Mary woke me up quarter to five yeah. in the morning and Lake said, Tahoe, like, yeah, "Hey, anyway. uh, we just had an earthquake." And I was like, "Cool, sleeping." And she was all freaked out. Yeah. I looked it up this morning. It was two point eight, and it was centered in Oakland. Oh my goodness! Um, yeah, I didn't hear about that. I heard about the Lake Tahoe one recently. Yeah. So. so not not big, but two point eight. If you're close enough to the epicenter, you'll notice it. You'll feel it, yeah. But the first one, man, is a trip. Your first one was the big one in Taiwan. It was seven point six. Holy shit! Hell yeah. I think like eight is when the world begins to implode. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, I've, I've we were like felt a three. I'll, yeah, I'll we were with 30 three. miles from the epicenter and it was, yeah, it was terrifying. But yeah, to make a long story short, we ended up in Japan and it wasn't even like that I had so much fascination about Japanese culture. Yeah. I ended up falling in love with, you know, the people and the food, the culture, the art, everything out there was just, um, yeah, it was, a, it was an amazing experience for sure. Everyone I know who's ever spent time living in Japan has said exactly the same thing. Awesome. Uh, and Mira's folks, it's her dad's like wish of his life was to travel to Japan. And uh, two years ago, they, they finally went. Nice. And he spent and- like six months taking Japanese lessons here so that he oh, could wow. actually, Ugh. like he said he didn't get very far with it, but he got enough to where he could do the basics of like greeting people and asking for things and responding to basic questions. And um, they had a blast. Like they had the time of their life. They loved it so much. And um, they They wanted to go back. 
the traditional ends, the ryokans. And they did with the bath. You get the bath, and then you get the dining on the and the and then in the robes. They would like eat in the robes after the bath because they don't want you to put on your scummy clothes. Exactly. After you, you take the bath, exactly. you have to be clean. And they would always they were biking a lot, and the people would insist because they didn't understand. And a couple of times they were like, "No, no, we can just eat now." And they're like, "No." You should have a bath. We insist. You should. And then they realize later it's like it's because we stunk and they didn't want us in their restaurant. But um, yeah, they loved it. They they loved it. And the pictures were amazing. And it's it's definitely on my list. So I do speak both Chinese and Japanese now. But it was okay. just, I wanted to become fluent. Like okay, you know, learning a language growing up. My parents spoke Chinese, so like I have the neural networks for it. Yeah. Right? Like I'm Mandarin. Just, yeah, Mandarin. But then like the actual execution of it you know the connection with the other part of the brain that deals with the expression of language that wasn't as well formed gotcha cool but yeah I, ironically i ended up learning probably yeah i was able to communicate better in japanese and chinese so yeah it was definitely a wild ride i wonder if there's research on one's ability to heal from brain injuries and other brain issues if they speak multiple languages not in terms of, I haven't seen research in terms of like healing ability, but I do see, I've seen a lot of research in terms of like, for example, prevention, like there's lower risk for different like types degenerative of degenerative diseases. Yeah, exactly. And also, and I've seen more rather than related to like disease, it's more like, oh, when you train your, your brain through like um, being multilingual or bilingual, you're training these areas of the brain that deal with um, like executive function, but also like creativity and all these things. So a lot of things happen in the brain. It's pretty cool too. It's funny because I speak English, obviously. I'm still working on that one though. <laughs> and then Spanish, Chinese, and Japanese. So you were there and it was a car accident that started your journey. You mentioned a few minutes ago, car accident, but you also mentioned health issues. Were you in Japan having health issues or did that come after the car accident or what was the sequence there? Yes. The answer is yes. yes. Even before the car accident I was in, I struggled with a lot of health issues, but they weren't like quote unquote diseases. I got sick all the time as an example. Like I would always just get sick and I thought I was just weak, you know, my body. I used to deal like have issues with motivation and depression and like skin issues. I had all these just mild symptoms that weren't devastating to me, but they definitely impacted my quality of life. But because I didn't understand health in the brain, I just chalked it up as Titus. This is who I am. Yeah. So I definitely had those issues prior, but then after the car accident, which led to the concussion and chronic pain, that's when I developed more severe neurological symptoms. So that was in Japan that that happened yeah the car accident was in japan but the the funny thing was immediately after the car accident the biggest health issues weren't neurological i was just dealing with chronic pain because i dislocated my shoulder and i was thrown from my motorbike like 10 feet to the air and so i was dealing with chronic neck your car accident was a motorbike accident i was on a scooter and yeah and i got hit by a car and i remember it's I still remember that day. It was, I remember there's that a, changes things because I saw the picture you put of the car. Yeah. No, I well, was, and I was like, 
Yeah, surprised you got as injured as you did looking at the car. But if I knew you were on a motorbike that hit that car, that's a different story. Yeah, no, I, I didn't hit the car. The car hit me. Yeah. She came out of nowhere. She was making this turn and I was going through and bam, she hit me from the side and I flew like 10, 15 feet through the air. And I remember in my mind's eye, I can still remember there was like a guardrail. If I had thrown been thrown into the guardrail, I wouldn't be here today, you know? So it was... So my point is through all that, the immediate thing that I was dealing with bodily injuries. Yeah, exactly. I had I had shoulder and neck pain. I had broke three ribs. It was like oh, difficult man. to breathe. But thank God I survived. But then through that, I ended up with chronic pain. I had to deal with that because yeah. although I was taken to the ambulance and to the ER, they're like, oh, everything's fine. We ran the x-rays, you, you know, there's no danger now. So then they just discharged me and let me go, you know? And, but then from there, I wasn't given like any exercise to do, any types of treatments that help with the soft tissue injuries. And so the most immediate thing for me after that was dealing with the chronic pain. But the strangest thing was once I was actually, when I told you, I, I went to see my brother cause I tried everything within conventional medicine for that pain. And nothing worked. I, when I came back to the United States for vacations, I'd go to doctors and again. So I saw him when I was on break uh, from from working. I was back in the United States in Chicago and he adjusted me. And after just like three sessions, that pain was like dramatically decreased. And I'm like, oh my God, this, there's something to this. You know? <laughs> And I actually didn't develop concussion symptoms, quote unquote, concussion symptoms until probably three or five years after the car accident. Either I was probably developing them slowly, but I didn't realize mm -hmm. it until like it reached a boiling point And I just had, you know, I hit rock bottom and had a complete breakdown pretty much. So your brother, older brother? Yeah. He's a chiropractor. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so... You were visiting, got the adjustments, felt better. How long had it been from the accident till your first like aha moment with him and the adjustments? I would have to say it was over a year because it was, I was in Japan, right? And I'd come back to the United States about once a year to visit friends and family. So it was probably either a year, maybe even over a year. Because and that whole time you were dealing with these yeah, pain I was issues? dealing with this chronic pain. It was just like, a lot of things that I love to do. Like I was, when I was in Japan, I was exercising. I was working out a lot. I couldn't do that anymore. Like, and I love skateboarding and I was able to skate still, but I had to be careful because once you dislocate your shoulder, for those of you who have done that before, unless you actually get treatments to restabilize the- Yeah, it can happen again really easily. The cerebellum right? and the brain. It, yeah, it can happen really easy. So a lot of the things that, you know, I was doing for, yeah, for enjoyment or just stress relief, like exercise, which is really important to me, I wasn't able to do. So that it was really hard, you know, and I was just dealing, I'd never had chronic pain prior to that. You know, I've had injuries growing up skateboarding and whatnot, but I kind of bounced back. But that was a really serious accident. Hey, if you're enjoying the show, make sure you head over to rebelhealthtribe.com backslash kit, that's K-I-T, and grab the RHT starter kit, which includes a sampler of four free videos from our professional masterclasses and webinars, the RHT healthy sleep guide, 
the Wellness Vault coupon book, which will save you money on all of our favorite health-related tools and resources, a professional product guide, and a coupon for 15% off your first order in our shop. That's rebelhealthtribe.com backslash kit, K-I-T, and you'll get all that delivered right away. Also, if you're on Facebook, we've got a fun, engaging, and supportive group over there as well with thousands of health seekers just like yourself. Just search for Rebel Health Tribe and you'll find us. Thanks for listening. And now back to the show. And so it was probably about a year, year and a half after that original car accident. I grew up in a family of medical doctors and within conventional medicine. I'm like, ah, what is that stuff? But then nothing I tried worked, right, within conventional medicine. So I'm pretty sure that's how it happened. The following time, the visit, I came So he got an I told you so on you. Pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) He's just like, he offered it again. I'm like, okay, you know. And it's so funny because, you know, I have so many patients who come, you know, when they work with me or whatever, they're just like, Okay, I've tried everything. I'll I'll you know I'll try anything you know, at this point. And that's kind of what my mindset was like. I tried all this stuff in conventional medicine and nothing worked. I'm like, okay, you know, I guess <laughs> I've reached the end of it. Yeah. But the interesting thing was wasn't even the end of it. It was the beginning of this entire journey of discovery, like with natural medicine and chiropractic and functional medicine and functional neurology. It was like a whole world opened up for me after he did that adjustment. And then I'm like, wow, I need to learn this. And so I went back to school and just exposed myself to as much as I could learn about all of that. It was just such an exciting time. And I still love that, the the learning process of it. So like he, he had done the adjustment. And like I said, I literally remember that day. It was like, I think he had treated me about two or three times and I think we were just at my, our parents' house and he set up his portable table, right? And he was doing all these like muscle testing and stuff. I'm like, what is this stuff? But then I remember this one adjustment he did to my neck and I like, I just felt it, something shifted, you know? And it's so interesting because when I look back on it now, definitely something shifted neurologically because that's how chiropractic works, by the way. And something shifted with the biomechanics of it. But when I look back on it now, something changed in my life because honestly, Michael, like I didn't really tell, talk about this much, but when I was in Japan, it was a dark time even before the concussion. I, I was drinking like crazy. I, was, I had really terrible lifestyle habits and it was just a very dark time, honestly. So when I look back on it now, it's like, oh my God, like that adjustment, like it didn't just change my neurology and my biomechanics and the pain. It literally changed the trajectory of my life, you know? Yeah. So in many ways that adjustment, my brother, he really just shifted things for me. So that full year in Japan, uh, before that you had pain in your neck and your shoulder, uh, that was pretty chronic and you were dealing with, you know, depression, unhealthy lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. I can relate. My whole twenties are kind of a blur. So um, exactly of yeah. like depression and drinking. I was in the service industry mm. and um, I can imagine that did not help your healing process from the crash. No, and no. Um, yeah. and uh, but then then the crash and being immobilized or unable to do things you like, then that further feeds into the depression, which leads to more of the lifestyle habits, which then makes you less yeah. able to heal. And then it's the exactly. cycle that 
that can continue. Yeah, um, it was a vicious, vicious cycle. And honestly, it wasn't like after the adjustment, all that changed. I still had to like face a lot of my demons through the whole healing process. And that was part of my recovery from the concussion as well. Like I was saying, when things really reached ahead, it had started around that time of that car accident. And so I can look back on it now and be like, oh yeah, like my behavior started already change after that, right? And then the but car was, accident, so it started to get you in line a little. It sounds cliche, but I mean, I've been through some pretty rough uh, stuff the last three or four years with Mira's health and our life and catastrophe and all kinds yeah. of things. And um, I've noticed if you don't listen, oh yeah, they turn up the volume a little bit. And then if you're not listening, then it becomes a shout. And if you're not listening, then it becomes a major health crisis or an injury or a yeah. something. And and things will happen that are not along those lines. I don't want to turn into like a victim blaming situation, but yeah. um, so there are signs. I firmly believe that. I mean, yeah. there are signs that our body and our brains give us. Mm-hmm. But I honestly, again, like when I look back on it, it's like there are signs from the universe. One of the biggest lessons I've learned from all of that, honestly, is just like you said, is paying attention to that more. Mm-hmm. And then having that feedback and making adjustments way before I end up in the red again. Like I never, ever want to end up where I was in those dark yeah. days of my recovery, like ever. So it's like, that's one of the biggest things I try to teach my patients too. It's like the long game of the the recovery it's there's these different stages of that journey it's like you're in the red when you're really experiencing you know the the symptoms and the suffering and then you get out of it and then feel things feel better but if if like the deeper stuff the foundational stuff isn't really set in place then you just end up right where you started like these roller coasters that i used to go through so it wasn't like you know, I talk it's about not going to be linear. It's not just like, ding, oh, ding, no, ding, ding, yeah. Ding. Yeah. it's not linear. There's definitely these ups and downs. But what I've learned there, there's patterns, right? There's a framework and there's actually a roadmap that through my experiences and working with thousands of patients, like I know what those pitfalls are and I help people avoid them because that's the thing. It's like, that's the last thing I ever want anyone to end up or if they are, are in those places, get them out of there as soon as possible, but then build the solid structures and the foundation for them for that long-term, you know, healing, the deeper healing. So yeah, it's been quite a wild ride, but I like how you put it, Michael. It's like, there are signs, there are things, whether we can speak esoterically, like in the universe, in our lives, or even very simply within our own bodies and nervous systems, there are symptoms. That's, that's what the symptoms are. They're there to tell us something. And I found that when I listen sooner, right, it's like, okay, Titus, it's time to go to bed, time to wrap up your work, when it's time to make sure you get some downtime. When I listen sooner rather than later, then it's like I stay in that space of, you know, optimal health versus just kind of like putting out fires. I'll have to say that's one of, at least in my part, you know, the stage and the journey of my healing I'm at right now. That's one of the biggest lessons for me is like the sooner you can listen to that feedback, honor your body's needs and take action, or in many cases, take inaction. So you're not overworking or overdoing things. That's when you prevent those big setbacks and the the crashes. Sure. Um, 
And you, you mentioned that the brain symptoms, the concussion TBI type symptoms from the crash uh, came later. So you had the pain, the pain got better with the adjustments. You were like, I need to do this. You eventually moved back from Japan to go to chiropractic school, mm-hmm. went through chiropractic school, probably opened a chiropractic practice of some kind or we're working somewhere and then things started to come on because you said three to five years i don't know how long chiropractic school is so it's interesting like again when i look back on retrospect i'm pretty sure even immediately after the accident there were changes in my behavior right Mm -hmm. and i was doing the best i could you know and i have compassion you mentioned depression and stuff that brain injuries don't help that yeah exactly like (laughs) motivation issues, Mm -hmm. depression, but also a lot of like anger issues. And I think I buried that with the alcohol, honestly. Mm -hmm. So it's really, so I think, but it got worse, you know? So just, you know, at one point I look at it, it's like, oh yeah, I went to Japan. It's like, I just finished undergrad. First time I had freedom. I was an adult. I had my own job. I was paying my bills and doing all that, you know? And so part of it, I look at, yeah, I was like, it was free you know, a lot of free time and freedom. Um, And I was partying, I was hanging out and enjoying life. But I think, yeah, if I look back on it now, it was like after that car accident, something shifted. There's just like a different energy to it, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I've had depression too. And I've had, I don't, between four and six concussions in my life. So yeah, exactly. And so when I look back now, there were early signs, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm able to do so because it's that's what I do for my patients and clients. I look, I explore history. So I kind of, at one point, you know, fast forward, like when I hit rock bottom, I'm like, what is going on? Like these issues that I was dealing with, like the anger and the paranoia and like just not being able to handle stress and brain fatigue, brain fog, all that stuff and vertigo. I never had these symptoms growing up, you know, it's like I, I described to you before I had some brain fog, I had some mild depression and some motivation issues, but it was never, never impacted my life to such a degree. So it, was, it wasn't until, yeah, I would have to say, like, it was just kind of slow growing over time. But then just a few years ago, I just things completely fell apart in my life. And it was really interesting, too, because on one level, professionally, everything was going really well. You know, I was being, I was flying all over the world teaching about neurology. You know, I was, I had a successful clinic and I was helping a lot of people, but my own personal life was totally falling apart, you know? And part of it was these, the addictions I was still struggling with and dealing with, you know? But then, once things hit rock bottom, I realized I need to make a change here, you know? And so through that process, that's when I began to really take things seriously, you know, and and that's the thing. When I look at it, I had made some changes to my health over time and it's a journey, right? It's it's a total journey. Um, But it wasn't until that, you know, that just completely that breakdown I had, I'm like, things really need to change, you know? And I think that's when I started facing the deeper demons <laughs> that had come out from that whole concussion experience. And that's when deeper healing happened. It was like, not only was I doing things to improve my physiology, right? Through supplements and having a relatively healthy diet, 
but I start exploring the more spiritual aspects of the healing journey, you know? And so for me, it's been this, like I said, this entire process, this journey, and I feel, again, knock on wood here, I feel in a really good place, but don't get me wrong, it wasn't always like this. It was, there were moments in that where I felt like giving up and I felt so hopeless and discouraged. And I know a lot of people out there who are struggling with their health, it's like, that's part of the journey, right? And there's always these stages that you'll go through in that healing process. And it's so important to have, you know, that understanding that you are in that stage and that empathy and compassion for yourself. Cause that was one of the biggest things for me. It was like being so hard on myself along that way, where now after going through it, I realized that there were these kind of milestones in that, that are, even though everyone's unique and we all have our journeys, there's very common patterns that I see. So there's a lot that we can do to kind of help ease the pain and the suffering in whatever part of that journey you are in. And it's interesting because each of those different phases requires a slightly different approach. You know, it's different kind of mindset, different types of even practical actions we take, like health actions, you know. But I've learned working with so many patients and going through it myself to be able to help guide a person whatever stage they are in that process because people need different messaging at sometimes you know it's not gonna gonna always land because i I can imagine myself now talking to myself you know 20 years ago after this cards and when i was dealing with all that stuff and if i had just approached it you know be like oh you just need to do this this and that that the old Titus would be like, whatever, dude, <laughs> like, I don't know who you are. Yeah. You know? So it's like, I've learned because going through that, that, yeah, it's like, there's different, there's different, these different stages that require a different type of nurturing along the way. Sometimes you need some tough love, you know, sometimes you don't, you just need someone to understand what you're going through. Yeah. And it's, um, and it's not wrong either way. And uh, I think I, I, my journey is really similar to that. Like it was kind of gradual and then there was a collapse, like everything falls apart moment where it's like, this has to change. You have to address this. These yeah. things need to happen because this is, not, this is not what I want my life to be. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it took turning the volume up on the signals to get my attention <laughs> enough yeah. to where like, it was either this or I don't know if I'm going to live anymore. Yeah. And, and then that's, one way or another that's where a lot of people get and um it didn't feel hopeless like it does feel like there's a mountain in front of you and it's like impossible to do all the things that you need to do and like the cool part is you don't need to do them all at once i used to give my clients like a zillion page thing of all the things that i wanted them to do (laughs) like right now just do these 107 things just change your entire life upside down tomorrow you're going to feel great. I promise. Yeah. And I never understood why they didn't do it. And, um, I had it's one lady, yeah. I had one woman ever like go home. She gave away all her food. She bought all new food. She bought some other health related like tools and gizmos that I recommended. She did. She came back to me in two weeks and had done like 90% of the list all at once. And it stuck and she nailed it and her life changed and all these things happened. literally once i've seen that happen one time exactly usually when people would try to do all the things 
it's overwhelming. They man. would fail at the things and then quit exactly. all the things where it's like, I then learned to adjust my recommendations based on where they were at and give exactly. them like, do these three things uh-huh. or don't do these three things or whatever the thing is. But um, yeah, it does feel like, like daunting. And, and so what was your aha moment with neurology? Like, when did the brain become the focus of your attention? Was it during that collapse period and you started to learn about the brain or was there a presentation you watched or a patient that you met or like, what was yeah. it that like snapped that on? It was like, this is my jam. I'm going to do this. Yeah. It's so fascinating. Cause when I think about that in chiropractic school, I absolutely love neurology. Like in undergrad, I might've had like one or two courses I don't even think so. It was like I had like general courses and part of it was about neurology. But in in chiropractic school, like the training, there's like at least the school I went to deep training in the sciences and neurology was a big one. And I absolutely just fell in love with learning it. But the, the interesting thing was I'm like, well, how am I ever going to be able to apply this information? I'm a chiropractor, right? But then as I got deeper into it, I actually went to a seminar, a functional neurology seminar. Uh, It was like a weekend seminar. And the guy, the teacher, he was showing us how you can use neurology, incorporating into your chiropractic practice. And more importantly, how chiropractic really is. It's a form of neurology. It's when you adjust the spine, when you move the body that activates very specific neural networks that target the nervous system. There's studies that show that the chiropractic adjustment activates the cerebellum and the prefrontal cortex, which cerebellum's involved with balance, coordination, but also immune function, autonomic function. And the prefrontal cortex, as many of you guys probably know, deals with executive functioning, like our ability to stay focused and present in our lives and be discerning, right? From chiropractic, it works through the nervous system. So it was like, that's when things really clicked for me, where it was like this intellectual love for neurology. And then when I went to that seminar, I was shown how to actually apply it. It just blew my mind. I'm like, oh my God, this is how I can use that to heal my brain, further heal my brain and to bring this to my patients and help them heal theirs. And so it was this under, just like, it was almost like, you know, in the matrix, you take that pill <laughs> and you start seeing like the zeros and ones. It was like, yeah. I took that pill and neurology helped me see like the, the framework underneath all these like more esoteric therapies, like within chiropractic and all these different techniques out there. And, you know, there's, which is cool. Like a lot of these um, techniques that are gaining more ground these days in psychology, even like psychoneuroimmunology and you know, tapping and all this, they all work through the nervous system. And so it's really interesting for me because all of a sudden I had the framework to understand what made me tick, what made my patients tick. And then if I was working with a patient and I would try doing like a protocol I learned in a seminar and it didn't work, then I knew how to work around it and create my own protocols because I understood the science behind it. So that for me, was just kind of like a turning point. But honestly, the interesting thing, Michael, wasn't like, I wasn't like, I need to learn neurology to heal my concussion because I didn't even realize I I was dealing with the concussion. You didn't even realize that that was happening. Yeah. I was just like, wow, this stuff is amazing. It's just a beautiful way of understanding, you know, the universe and 
at least ourselves and others, you know, and on a very practical level, how to help my patients. And then from there, it was like, when I dove deeper into neurology, you know, I had a certain, you know, I began to specialize in neurology, even like in student clinic. And then when I went out, got out into practice, I started seeing more patients that had just neurological issues. And I would do the different protocols and they would get better, right? But then there's a subset of patients that I work with that no matter what I did, they just, they wouldn't respond. And so I took a deeper dive and I realized a big like percentage of that subset of these people, my patients, they had a history of concussions. And so I knew there was something there. So I dove deeper into the world of concussion itself because with neurology, it's like a big field, right? There's so many different things you can focus on. So when I dove, took a deep dive into the world of concussion and explored the ins and outs of that, I would bring it back to my patients, apply it, and then their lives would improve. And then for me, it's like, I love not only learning this stuff, but also applying it to my own health. And so I would experiment with these more advanced concussion therapies and approaches. And a lot of those symptoms that I had developed, like the more concussion symptoms, so to speak, um, you know, after that car accident began to improve. And all of a sudden this new light bulb went off and I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm pretty sure I'd suffered a concussion and that I had post-concussion syndrome. You know, it was the wildest thing. It was because here I am, I was a functional neurologist and I didn't realize, didn't realize you had concussions. I had a concussion, yeah. you know? <laughs> and so it was like through that process. So I don't feel bad out there if you haven't got it all yeah. figured out yet. He was no, a doctor. Exactly. <laughs> I definitely don't either. I've made a lot of discoveries and discovered a lot of principles and secrets to healing from a concussion. But so what happened? Your mood got better. Your focus improved. Like what was your, your signs to yourself that, oh, I probably had a concussion syndrome. Because a lot of people have said this too, that they didn't realize uh, even uh, Dr. Natasha is Titus's wife, and she's on another episode in this season. She said she didn't realize that she had been sick the whole time until she felt good. Exactly. And then was like, wow, what is this weird thing? And (laughs) then realized, oh, I was sick that whole time. So like, what kind of changes happened where you started to realize like I was dealing with a concussion from my crash yeah so the initial stuff that got better was these vertigo symptoms that i would have so vertigo for those of you out there who aren't aware it's just a perception or a sensation that things are moving when they're actually not either you are moving or the room the world is moving so i started to develop these like vertigo events out of nowhere and it's terrifying i'd be like hanging out at a restaurant or something sitting at the bar and eating my tacos and all of a sudden the whole room would go like this boom like it just moved diagonally and i'd almost fall out of my chair because i thought like i don't yeah i didn't even know what was going on and so it like er- I was, trigger your earthquake flashbacks yeah exactly <laughs> it's like i'm in chicago it was just why for you yeah. <laughs> why is this restaurant moving yeah but the earthquake was up and down side to side this was like counterclockwise <laughs> i'm like wait am i in a fun house or something <laughs> So it's terrifying though, because it just would come out of nowhere. And so those are some of the first symptoms that got better were more the physical ones, but that's the thing. Like, then I started piecing things together, even though I was doing these things, it wasn't like everything, you know, it was like, you know, night and day shift. 
something's improved. Number one was because I still didn't really fully understand that I had the concussion, you know, but number two is just kind of like, I didn't still take it that seriously, honestly. And like, I, again, going back to what we were talking about earlier, it wasn't until I hit rock bottom that I'm like, oh my goodness, like that's what was happening. The same thing that I see so many my patients that they went through or they are going through, like I was going through, you know? And so once that happened and then I started really taking things seriously, you know, again, it was just like that. I had to wait till the volume got turned up way loud, you know, it's, which is part of the learning process. And so that's when I realized, yeah, number one, most like, yeah, I'm pretty sure a lot of these more severe, like psychological, neurological symptoms were not, not only due to that car accident, but really shook, like things were shaken up then. Because actually, even after that car accident, I had several other head injuries afterwards, you know? So not as severe as that, definitely, but- Ever so come along with drinking, I've noticed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, it's true. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, research shows that um, when you do drink, like binge drinking, it triggers the same neuroinflammatory response in your microglia cells than if you had a concussion. Oh, really? Or Yeah. And that's the fascinating thing about concussion. Everyone thinks like, you know, oh, I've never had a concussion. Number one, you don't even need to have a physical trauma to your head. You could be in a car accident where your head just gets shaken about. But number two, emotional traumas can trigger the same inflammatory reaction in your brain. So can binge drinking alcohol. So can lack of sleep. So can overtraining and exercise. So there's all these things, you know, that build up over time that, again, when I look back now, it's just like, oh, my God, if there was a checklist, I would have checked off probably like 95% yeah. of those. That's it's why it's like someone with... taught me how to mess up my brain. And then I was a really <laughs> yeah. good student at it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I was a very good student. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> I was top of my class. Oh, I could do that and this. I'll do them at the same yeah, time. All at the same time. <laughs> and so, yeah, that's why now when I work with clients and patients, I'm just like, oh man, we got to look at the long game, the big picture. But just like we're, we were discussing earlier, Michael, I always break it down and meet them wherever they're at in that process. It's like, okay, there might be a million things that you might need to do, but guess what? Here's the like top three or mm -hmm. here's the top five that will move the needle for you the most. And many times, because everything's connected, if you just focus on those, you probably won't have to end up doing the rest of the 20. Or it makes doing the other things easier too, because exactly. like your capacity to make changes. Exactly. I didn't really fully understand like the state of overwhelm that some of my clients were in when I would work with them until Mira got really sick and was in like a really, really bad flare with her autoimmunity. It was in tons of pain. And we were in like full blown crisis all every morning, every day yeah. that I would have conversations with practitioner friends of mine who are trying to help us out. And they would ramble off like a bunch of stuff that I was supposed to do and like labs to run and things. And it's stuff I usually would have been able to just make mental notes of and then take away and go do it. Yeah. And I would get off the phone and be like, man, I'll feel really bad for this, but I need to call them back because I don't know what they just said. Exactly. Because no. I was in like a yeah. panicked state and that causes neuroinflammation. Yeah. It's like we we're talking yeah. about earlier, that vicious cycle. And but the cool thing is, again, it's like what I've learned through all that, you know, healing my own brain, going through the different stages of that journey, right? 
working with thousands of patients and private clients is like there's access points, specific access points that like leverage points, right? Depending on where you're at in that journey. So sometimes you can do just three things that can really shift. That's actually when I started out in all of this as a functional neurologist, I always was trying to figure out what, what are those leverage points for that person, right? What can I do or contribute to a situation where you just need to blow on it and things start to fall into place? You know what I mean? Like yeah, it'll move the needle things. and start a momentum. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and what I've discovered, because that's always been a question in my mind. It's like, I was always trying to figure out, like, number one, how can we help someone heal the fastest, right? But then number two, the way we do that is figuring out what these leverage points are and it's unique to each person. But like I said, there's a framework, there's a roadmap to healing from a concussion and depending on where they're at in those journeys and then depending on their story, then like, you know, overlapped with that, then those key leverage points pop up. And sometimes you just need a few simple things that can completely change you know the, the story for a person that that's what's always drawn me like to to continue my research and studying about the brain and concussion and all the facets of healing from it it's it's, it's an endless journey of discovery for me so which is why i absolutely love it well the more you can see like the matrix numbers the faster you can probably exactly. make those connections for people too and then you eventually to. realize that there are no zeros or ones <laughs> <laughs> that's what there is no spoon there is um, yeah. <laughs> um, cool. Well, I, I had one question I wanted to ask that I don't think I remembered to that it's a little out of order, but I'm interested. So I want to know sure. how much of the, it was a scooter. You're on a scooter, got hit by a car. How much of it do you remember? Oh my God. Do you remember it like very vividly? Yeah. The whole thing? Very vividly. Like, I don't remember, like there's some people who can remember like events like a movie as if mm -hmm. watching a movie i remember pieces very vividly of that whole thing like i remember driving because there was like a green light and like i was on my way to work and i was driving because cars were parked at the stoplight but there was a green so i was going along but there was kind of traffic so i was going along the side and in japan they drive on the opposite side of the road is in the states so she was coming and she made a right hand turn like and then because I was coming along the side and cars were parked, I didn't see her coming. And then bam. And then from there, I just remember flying through the air, hitting the ground. And I actually like I got winded. Right. I got the yeah. impact out of me and I've never had that. happen. That is the most uncomfortable, terrifying. Oh, my God. It yeah. happened to me when I was like nine in intramural basketball. I jumped up. Somebody undercut me and I landed on yeah. my back on the ground. I thought it was exactly. I thought it was over. I yeah, thought it was done. It was over. You thought, I thought <laughs> I'm like, going to die right here. Yeah. I thought <laughs> I'd pierce my lungs. Like, yeah, I literally thought I was going to die. Oh, terrifying. man. So I remember that. that was your, you hit the ground and then it was you couldn't breathe. I couldn't breathe for I don't know how long. Probably. I mean, it seems like a year. It was probably yeah, a minute or two. Too but, long. <laughs> too yeah. long without the ability to control my diaphragm. Yeah. But then once I am like, I caught my breath and things resynchronized, right? With my, uh, whatever, my diaphragm, my neurology. Then I caught my breath. I'm like, oh, thank God. And then the next thing I did without thinking, I saw that my 
shoulder had dislocated i literally just grabbed it and shoved it right in i think the adrenaline was so strong coursing through my blood because i've dislocated my shoulder prior to that in like skateboarding and you can't do that (laughs) you cannot just but somehow i was able to do it just through the sheer adrenaline and skateboarding (laughs) injuries are gnarly i was like the kid on rollerblades with the skateboarders like i would try to do the tricks on the rollerblades that they were doing on the boards until I watched my friend get a like compound fracture of his uh clavicle like through the skit like it it was visible yeah and I was like oh I quit this yeah okay (laughs) a little bit too yeah too graphic for my taste so wait you said something that you lost control. Is that what happens when you get the wind knocked out of you? Is you lose control of the diaphragm? Yeah, yeah. It's because there's a whole synchrony. It's like you imagine the diaphragm is a muscle, yeah. right? So you lose that the coordination oh, of the diaphragm, and then you can't work it. Yeah, exactly. And I'm sure there's oh. a lot going. I on. I always too. wondered what that. I didn't know what actually happens when that happens, and that that makes sense. Yeah, there's there's probably just like hiccups. It's kind of like a yeah, terrible yeah. big hiccup. Mm-hmm. You lose the synchrony between your diaphragm, your phrenic nerve, your vagus nerve. And- uh, no, thank you. I'll be good. Like oh, letting that memory fade and never going yeah, through that, that again. Like, that's, that's fine. So then the, the paramedic people came and you, you told them like, I dislocated my shoulder and I fixed it or. Yeah. I didn't, oh. they, the, the, what's actually kind of hilarious so the lady that hit me, she was like this older Japanese, like, I think she was like a grandma or something, right? She comes running over, right? And she's just scared. She's like, oh my God, is, I can imagine. I just hit this yeah. guy and he's on the ground. And what I was doing, you know that, you know, when we do this, we're like, yeah. call an ambulance. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, call, I was like, still kind of winded. I'm like, call an ambulance, call an ambulance, right? Because I can feel the pain and everything. Yeah. I'm like, call an ambulance. And she looks at me, her eyes get super wide and she runs away. I'm like, are you serious? She just like ran away. And then so eventually I think someone from, I, it was in front of a car dealership. They call an ambulance, comes get me, right? And I go to the ER, they check me out. They check that everything, they find broken ribs, but then they let me off, right? They let me go. She actually then her her husband was a doctor. They somehow got my contact information and they they contacted me like, you know, we'd like to, you know, take care of things. We don't want to have to go to court. Let's set out a court. And so at the, I went at that time with a friend of mine to dinner with them, right? So it's me, my friend, her this lady and her husband, and we're all having dinner. And she was telling me, she's like, you know. When, when I first saw you, I thought you hit your head and went crazy because she thought I was Japanese, right? So number one, they don't make these like uh, hand signals, like call, like this doesn't mean And you were speaking anything. English. Yeah, I'm screaming English. I'm making these crazy arm movements that have no meaning in the Japanese you know, uh, vocabulary. So she thought I was Japanese. She thought I was like shouting mumbo jumbo after i got in that car and she got terrified she's like oh my god so she ran away because she thought i was like gone totally bombed that's really nice that they reached out though and wanted to oh yeah no yeah she was just so scared something like terrible i can't imagine that happening here yeah no yeah so actually no they were really nice i remember he again he was a medical doctor so he came over to my apartment once rang the bell i remember i was still wearing like this 
um, you, obviously when you break your ribs, there's no cast, but it was yeah, kind of that like sucks too. I've done that. Yeah. I've done that before. Yeah. Breathing, coughing, sneezing, laughing, laughing. Can't laugh, can't laugh. Yeah. That was my only salvation was laughter then. But yeah, I no, but it, it, it's not worth it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like when six weeks. And there's nothing you can do. I know it's terrible. <laughs> well, I mean, there actually is now oh, that really? I've gone through it. Yeah. There's low level laser. There's muscle. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. I just meant they don't put, there's no like cast or brace or yeah. thing or like, you know there's a lot you can do but anyway laser yeah so he came over and he brought like pain medications like he didn't have to you know it was like yeah. so they were really kind they were really nice but i just thought that was so hilarious because she, she thought, thought you like, lost your mind yeah, yeah she, so she was like which is I kind of funny now that i'm thinking about it like that was actually a uh, uh an omen a foreboding of what was to come after my concussion when i hit rock bottom so wow. that's a crazy that's a crazy experience. It's so different culturally too. Like I can't imagine something like that happening here. Somebody hits you on a motorcycle and then they, they reach out to you and they, yeah, they reach guys, a doctor, come to your house, take you to dinner. Yeah. They were it's probably so be more like talk kind. to my lawyer. So sweet. Yeah. Another, just on another note, I remember I lost my wallet there once and some on the train, somebody mailed it to the police office and then he contacted me and I got my wallet back. I was just like, what? <laughs> like, wow. Yeah. And another story on that note, I remember my mom and my aunt came to visit me and they don't really tip out there, right? And yeah. When you go to the restaurant. So my pa- my mom and my aunt, they leave a tip. And my, my mom was telling me the story afterwards. She's like, they ran after me a block or two. To give her to the extra money. money. <laughs> yeah really amazing it was an amazing experience That's minus the getting crushed on a scooter thing but honestly michael yeah. you know when i that's talk true. about it, that's the first big adjustment mm-hmm. i had right now yeah. it's like at the time when i was in pain and i couldn't do the things i loved yeah it sucked like i'll be fully honest but when looking back on it i firmly see that as yeah it was one of the best things that ever happened to me you know it just yeah, completely I wouldn't be here talking to you on many so many levels. Yeah, yeah. Right? And it's, it's easy to say that from our perspective here after you've been through it. Yeah. Uh, you know, that you can see it because when you see the 30,000 foot view of it later, yeah. it's like, oh, that happened, which made this happen. So I did that, which led to this, which yeah. caught me here. So now I'm doing this. Yeah. None of this. It's like a domino effect that wouldn't happen. But I remember people telling me that when when I was like in some of the darkest parts being like, oh, this is all for a reason and there's a gift here and you're going to come out of this better than I wanted them all to die. Like I was like, just shut up. I don't want to hear any of this. I want what I'm going through right now to stop. Exactly. And so like, I get it. If you hear us say that, that, that this was, you know, the trajectory changer and that, you know, I can say the same thing on my story too, about I can identify these periods and being like, man, that really sucked. And it made me get through that to get to this, to come here, to do this. But the me then wouldn't want to hear that from the me now. Yeah. Uh, so if you're in that spot, I totally get it. Like I. No, exactly. You know, That's but what I was saying. It's, it's like going through that. Mm-hmm. Depending on where you're at in that journey, I've learned when I'm talking to my patients or my clients or I'm teaching my students, it's really important to understand and for me to remember what I was dealing with at the time, and it wasn't pleasant. Yeah. There's like there's that saying, right? When if you have an arrow sticking out of your chest, you don't want to philosophize about the meaning of life and how you know it's like you want to get rid of that arrow and get rid of that pain as soon as possible. 
And so I completely, you know, when I say that it was the best thing that happened to me, that really was like, that's me speaking authentically. Yeah. At the time it definitely sucked and I definitely yeah. did not want it to have happened. To yeah. Me. It's the best things that I've ever done that I would never sign up to do again. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. So cool. Well, thanks for sharing all the story. Um, it's just, it's so interesting for me to learn about because, uh, you know, we've, I've interviewed you and we've done presentations and a workshop series and a lot of the guests on this, this season, I've interacted with them or engaged with them in some way professionally where it's been a, them being a doctor and teaching something or something of that nature. And it's not so often I get to actually have conversations that are, yeah. uh, you know, how'd you get to be doing this? And everyone has a story. Like there's no one that just randomly one day was like, I'm going to be a health practitioner. I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to be this. Like, I don't think that just drops into someone's head that there's almost always has to be this event or crisis or, you know, disease or pain or illness or something that kind of steers the direction towards that. But then what you just mentioned, it, it provides the ability to relate and the, Exactly. to to see people and to have empathy like for where they're at and not be preachy now i look back at how i would drop a hundred things on a person who's like in a health crisis to do it i'm like yeah. oh man that was really tone deaf like that's really not because then they'll stress over it i can't do this and i can't and it's like a whole nother thing and i think having now that i've been through the ringer because mine came after i started doing that kind of work my crisis came after I started working with clients and stuff. And then I realized like what I had been doing. I was like, wow, I need to really be able to meet people where they are. Totally. And um, that's so important. It's just, yeah. that's, that's the most important thing. Cause yeah, it's like, I had a similar experience going through it and just falling in love with neurology and functional medicine and all this stuff. I was so excited. I'd go back to my practice and be like, Hey, there's all this stuff. And they'd be like, <laughs> their eyes would get glazed over. I'm like, <laughs> they yeah. just want to feel better. And yeah. Like, Holy, I can relate to that professionally, but also very, very much so personally. Yeah, for sure. So thank you. Thank you for, for sharing all this. I'm, I'm really happy you got hit by that car. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's too bad GoPros weren't a thing yet then. <laughs> yeah. You have a really cool uh, helmet oh, video. Um Wow. But it, yeah. it, it sucks that the things have to happen that have to happen to get us onto the paths that we end up on. And um, I'm grateful for mine. So it's, yeah. it's like a love, hate, love, grateful, don't want to do it again. No, thank you. But thank you. Yeah. And now really? I'm yeah. trying to be able to um, make adjustments and course corrections and learn lessons without them having to be like that exactly is kind of my goal now and i'm sure that'll happen again i'm sure there'll be another period of time where it's here's a sharp course correction but um yeah i'm just i'm grateful for the experiences and thanks for sharing yours i think a lot of people out there will be able to relate and um i'm glad those things happened the way that they did because it led you to be doing what you're doing now which is helping tons of people and it's lots of fun and i've really enjoyed working with you so um just thanks thanks for sharing and for doing what you're doing Absolutely. Yeah. It's great chatting with you, Michael. All right. And this brings us to the end of today's episode. Head on over to rebelhealthtribe.com backslash kit to access the RHT Quick Start Bundle, which includes four full-length presentations from our RHT masterclasses, two downloadable PDF guides, and a 15% off coupon, which you can use in our retail shop. 
If you're on Facebook, come join our Rebel Health Tribe group over there. And finally, if you like the show, please subscribe, leave a review, and share with your friends. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you again soon.